Okay. So I'm going to talk for a while. Um, I may stop in time for questions or comments, or I may not. We'll see. Usually I just get going and talking. And <clears throat> So I love that uh, story about Suzuki Roshi. Life is basically impossible. What, will we, what should we do? What are we going to do? You do it every day. Um, I think I may have told you um, before, you know, it's hard to rem for me to remember. I try not to repeat myself too much, you know. But I'm sorry, I'm going to be repeating myself maybe. But, you know, a couple of years ago, I, I, my computer was wearing out. And I have a computer, you know, doctor, wizard, guru person. You know, wisdom 2.0. I'm his Zen teacher. He's my computer wizard guru. So, um, you know, the first thing, of course, he tells me is reboot. Have you tried rebooting? <laughs> it's kind of like, um, you know, you need um, a time out. <laughs> Have you given yourself a time out? Um, anyway, uh, he said, you might, Ed, you might want to get um, an apple. You're a creative person. And I don't know how people decide these things. Why don't you go look at it? And I said, well, where's that? And he said, it's at the mall in Corte Madera, the Apple store. I thought I'd go. You know, I said, but Calvin, I haven't been to an Apple, I haven't been to a mall in years. <laughs> he said, it's okay, Ed, you'll, you'll do all right. <laughs> I've been to meditation centers, you know. So um, I got down to the mall, and um, you know I parked right near Macy's. I knew it was Macy's because it says Macy's. <laughs> well, you know, there's other things there. I don't know what else is there, and um, so I went up to the kiosk, um, and the kiosk, um, you know, has a little X, and it says "You are here" with an arrow. I thought, yeah, where else would I be? <laughs> Wherever you go, there you are. <laughs> the teaching is everywhere, every moment. It's all Dharma. You are here. And I had just read an article in the Shambhala Sun, um, which was a talk by um, Ergen Tolku, who's the father, I think, of Zogni Rinpoche. And, um, and and uh, Ergen Toku said, the key pointing out teaching in Tibetan Buddhism is you are you. You are here. So I thought, wow, they have this right at the mall. <laughs> you are you. You are here. And he said, you Westerners, you, you want to get somewhere else. You have you know, an idea of where you want to get to. Why don't you start where you are? Why don't you be where you are? Then you'll know where to go from there. But to get any place, you have to know where you are. Where are you? So anyway, I was thinking about all that, and then I get around to... They were construction on Macy's, so there was a plywood fencing along there probably gray, you know, kind of battleship gray, is that way I remember. And I went along that and I turned to the right. Some of you may know the Apple Store, it's right in there, it's in the inner passageway. Outside the Apple Store, across the walkway there, there's a tree and there's a bench. So I sat down on the bench for a little bit. I was starting to feel, you know, a little, um, I don't know what you call that, paranoid, a little worried, you know. I started to look at my clothes, and I started, um, you know, hearing, you know, voices, kind of. <laughs> are you sure you know who you are? Are you sure you belong here? Do you have enough money to be in this mall? You say you get your clothes at Ross, dress for less? 
And you have the nerve to come to our mall? <laughs> and, but, you know, nobody was actually approaching me. I went over to the Apple store, and there in the window was a lot of pink fluff, purple-pink fluff. And, it, and then uh, this was all to let you know that the Nano iPod now comes in bright little colors, including pink-purple. I thought, well, that's nice for people who like to have such things. And I went into the store, and I... Right away, there was a counter that's, you know, it's at the height for you to stand there and try out the computers. And on one side, there's the iMacs, and then on the other side, the iMac Pros, there's different ones, and you can try them. I didn't know what to try out. And it's not like I'm going to get my email there, and it's not like I'm going to try to cut and paste, or I didn't know what to try out. I sort of feel the keys, and they kind of go clickety, clickety. <laughs> Um, and behind me, I became aware that behind me, you know, there's a huge flat screen television with basically, you know, big fire bombs going off. Kaboom, kaboom. And it says, download your movies. You can now download your movies over your Apple computer. I thought, well, that's nice for people who watch movies, I guess. And I started to walk towards the back of the store. I could see in the very back of the store, Apple Genius Bar. And uh, a young friend of mine, Eli, is an Apple genius. So I, I knew what an Apple genius is. You know, you, if you have any problems with your computer, take it to the genius bar. Have one of the Apple geniuses talk to your computer. <laughs> and, you know, see what the issues are. And the Apple genius is likely to be able to. So there was a lot of people and energy in the back of the store. Um, you know, it's a bar, so I can only guess, like, they're really going at the computer lore and, you know, ingenuity and genius and taking it all in. There was a, uh, a cashier or somebody, a counter to my left and somebody behind there and somebody talking to him. And I was starting to just get a kind of overwhelmed. There's a lot of energy in that store. <laughs> and there's the television thing going and there seems to be people talking and... I look around and everybody seems to be really with it, really with it. And I'm feeling like, I'm starting to feel overwhelmed. And I turn to my right and there's these display cases. I don't know what's on them even. I don't recognize anything. And then um, a woman comes walking up to me, and she's got a little name badge. I wish I could tell you who it was, Emily or Diane or somebody. And she says, excuse me, but could I help you? And I said, well, I, I, I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm feeling kind of overwhelmed and, and small and scared. I don't <laughs> I don't know if you can help me. And she said, have, have you tried meditation? <laughs> so I, I didn't want to say, well, 45 years, I guess. I guess it never took. <laughs> so I said, well, a little. <laughs> and I didn't add, you know, probably not enough. But I said, well, a little, how about you? And she said, oh, yes, I've been meditating for three years now. And I said, and how is it going? And she said, it's just great. It's really wonderful. It's made all the difference in my life. So. <laughs> I was still feeling rather small at that point. 
I said, oh, and you have a teacher here? And she said, yes. And she explained to me the name of her teacher again. I'm sorry, I don't... Uh, somebody right here in Corte Madera, you know. So, and if you need a, you know, really good meditation teacher, check out the Apple Store and you can probably find... Um, but um, I said, well, thank you. Um, you know, I think I... I think I need to, you know, go home and, and, and think about what, you know, I, what I really need. Um, and I'm not sure if she was thinking, I was at that point wondering what I, if I really need to sit or meditate more. Or, you know, I thought I would go home and think about, you know, what kind of computer I really need. And um, I called up my friend Calvin. And um, I told Calvin about what happened. And he said, that's all right, Ed, you're a Zen teacher, you're not a techie. Don't worry about it, and I'll go with you to the store and help you pick out what you want. Thanks, Calvin. And uh, so then um, my computer, he had fixed my computer very briefly, or I don't know, you know, I don't know what they do, you know. But whatever he did, my computer worked for another week or 10 days, and then it, it stopped. And um, so we went together to the Apple store, and Calvin said, Ed, now before we go in the store, let's sit down on the bench here, <laughs> and we'll, we'll think very carefully about what you want when you go in there, so we can just get what you want and get out of there. Okay? Okay. And you're going to be with me, right? Yeah, he's going to... So Calvin stayed with me. We got a list of... We made up a list, and while we were making up the list, I was watching people walk through the mall there, and there were some very well-dressed women, and they were very attractive. And I thought, and I, I started, you know, I, I, maybe in other ways, you know, I'm a successful meditator, but, you know, I'm looking at the attractive women, and I'm starting to think, now, are these women really attractive, or do they just look attractive? <laughs> And I thought, now they have a very good presentation, you know, of, you know, attractiveness. <laughs> and, you know, they've done a very good job with their hair and their, their um, you know, jewelry and um, dresses, outfits, um, jeans, you know. Uh, I think it was still, the belts were still a little low in those days, you know, and, uh, and then scarves. So, um, and I thought, well, this is complicated, isn't it? You can be attracted to some image, and then, but then, who, who, who are you? Who, who is this person? Who are these people? And of course, and then I started thinking, well, they're all sort of basically saying, uh, dude, you know, you're a little, you're a little strange, you're a little old. We were looking for somebody kind of younger who had some money to spend on, you know, the, on me. You know, on <laughs> I'm, I'm, I want you to, you know. So you're not you're not under consideration, okay? So just don't worry about it. <laughs> I was without even talking to anybody. I was getting kind of the. <laughs> But malls, I think, are pretty safe. You know, if I go out hiking here in Marin County and I'm by myself, you know, most women will walk by me without even, with, will not say hello. It's just, just right by no eye contact, no hello, nothing. Sometimes I say, hi, good afternoon. And, good afternoon. And they, so it's pretty interesting, you know, um, all this business. So it's pretty impossible, wouldn't you say? And we do this every day. What are we up to? What are we doing? So anyway, Calvin and I went in the store and we got the... I said, Calvin, I want an iMac Pro. I like the way the keyboard feels better than the iMac, the iBook. And um, we got a modem for my dial-up. And um, I said, Calvin, and I want one of those 
purple pink nano iPods. <laughs> and Calvin said, well, that's great. I can set it up for you. So the first songs I had on my pink nano iPod, um, Calvin put on there. And then I've been adding you know, little bits to them. But it was right about the time that the CD player in my car broke down anyway. So you can plug your nano iPod into the monster tape thing that has a little cord coming out of it. And so you play your nano iPod through the tape player in your car. <laughs> and I can listen to my lectures. <laughs> and other people's too. Um, anyway. <clears throat> so uh, it's kind of interesting to me, you know, what is meditation good for? Should, if you meditate, if you've been meditating well, should you just not get overwhelmed? Should you never feel small or scared? Um, is, is meditation like some kind of magic wand? Away with you. I don't want you around today. Thank you. I know you have things you want to tell me, but... Um, so... Um, I don't know. I, I guess that's not the meditation I ever could do. So, um, but I think this is kind of a picture we have sometimes of meditation. I, I, th I thought like, maybe if I could meditate, I would get better at, you know, managing my mind and, and telling what, you know, what was allowed to be in my consciousness and my awareness and what wasn't. And I just never could do that. And then, um, you know, so one of the things, you know, so I keep coming across teachings that say, actually, it's not the point to do that. You know, the point is to be with each moment, whether it's happy or sad and joyful and, you know, uh, sorrow, joys and sorrows. And it's impossible. It's impossible. So I appreciate, you know, somebody like, uh, you know, Zen teacher Suzuki Roshi saying, it's impossible. It's impossible to... And, you know, the one of the most, the, the most painful things is when we have a difficult experience or a painful experience, we start to think, I'm being punished. I must have done something wrong. I'm only having this painful experience because... There's something, I'm getting the suspicion, there's something defective about me. So if I was only a better person, these things wouldn't happen to me. And if I meditated and got to be a better person, then these painful things would not be around. But it's actually, of course, that we get more willing to have painful experiences because they're there, you know. So I want to talk about then also how, you know, this um, this is also the entry into finding our voice. Remember I talked with you about finding your voice, finding your truth, okay? So um, I want to tell you a couple of Zen teachings, but uh, the first is I want to share with you a poem by the Zen master Hakuin, who is the, you know, the most... He lived in Japan about 500 years ago, and he was the most famous Japanese Zen teacher of the last 500 years. He's the one who was famous for the sound of one hand clapping. I think he created something like that. But later in his life also he became a calligrapher, did a lot of calligraphy, and you know, there was recently like a show in New York of his calligraphy, and it's in often in various shows of calligraphy and um, ink drawings. But the poem that uh, Hawkwin had uh, was um, the demon outside uh, pushes at the door. The demon inside holds it fast. They struggle with all their might, sweat pouring from head to toe, battling on all through the night. Until at last, in the morning light, laughter fills the air. They were friends from the start. 
So I'm going to suggest tonight, you know, suggest you think of the two demons. One of the demons is the one who says, you know, who's, who's, who thinks they have control of the door. What my experience is going to be. And I'm going to be able to regulate my experience and have a better experiences. And I'll keep the painful experiences outside. And those painful experiences are like that other demon, and they push. So, this is a very painful situation, you know. That a part of us is uh, trying to have a, a proper, good kind of experience, and not the painful kind of experience. And then the other one, but there's somebody inside who's going, um, but you know, but you don't listen to me. But I'm unhappy. I'm scared. I'm overwhelmed. I'm sad. Um, have you tried meditation? <laughs> and I think eventually in meditation, you know, you have enough strength. There's actually a kind of strength and courage in being willing to have the difficulty of your life, and you have the difficulty of your life. And we say in Zen, it's the everyday food. It's everyday drink. It's not something unusual. And you take it in and you chew it and you digest it, you swallow it, and you absorb the nutritive part of it. But if the two demons are pushing at each other and there's a voice that wants to be heard, there's another that says no, then this kind of struggle is... Um, can be very painful. And we think, again, if I have a painful experience, there must be something, I'm, I'm, I'm being punished. You know, the basic, we have a basic idea that we will not be hurt unless somebody means to hurt us, something or someone or something means to hurt us. We did something wrong. There's something wrong with us, and that's why painful things happen. Okay. It's like being punished. So, you know, is that true? Well, it's what we grew up with, you know, oftentimes. So then that applies, you know, on through our life. But Buddhism is, well, let's see what's going on and then um, study how to be with things. One thing after another, and sometimes very painful things. I have, uh, for instance, you know, one of my uh, good friends and one of my um, uh, Dharma students um, is now at UCSF, and he's um, he's having a stem cell. Um, I don't know what you call that whole procedure, but you know, in December they harvested the stem cells, and now he had a very powerful radiation. It's for myeloma. He has bone marrow cancer, so basically you kill off everything you can. And then just in the last couple of days, he had the stem cells back, and now he has several days of almost not alive. What did he do wrong? He got born. He's a human being. Probably it's because he grew up on a farm where there were pesticides. This is the most common cause of having um, bone cancer myeloma. Um, But, um, so, you know, we don't know what's going to happen, you know, to our partners, our children, our parents. And and then to be with the pain or the difficulty is very challenging. And yet somehow we keep thinking, like, there might be some way to get through unscathed. (laughs) Maybe you need to meditate more. Um, so the other story, you know, another, um, you know, classic, this is a classic Zen story. Um, it's about, um, and there's these koan collections, so this is in one of the, one or more of the koan collections. It's a story about the Zen teacher named Wang Bo. <clears throat> uh, Wang Bo, uh, one day, um, was, uh, t- and with the students, he, he said, um, all of you gobblers of dregs. <laughs> this is the way it's usually translated. You know, all of you gobblers of dregs. If you keep on like this, when will you have today? 
don't you know there are no teachers of Zen in all of China? So do you understand gobblers of dregs? We have, the dregs are, um, you know, something left over after you make the tea, after you make the coffee. You know, there's some dregs. So what we like to do is try to find somebody's teaching that we can follow, and if we just follow the teaching, we'll be saved. So we look for the right teaching, which in this case, Wang Bo is calling someone else's dregs. <laughs> and you run around after them and try to gobble as many of these teachings as you can <laughs> so that you'll know what to do and hopefully you can pull out the right teaching at the right time and, um, and you'll be okay. You'll do what you're supposed to do, what a good person does, what the teachers say and you know. Sometimes I think, you know, Buddhism is, um, you know, just a good way to redo your childhood. I mean, what did they tell you in, you know, in, in school? They always said, be quiet, Ed. <laughs> and pay attention. Be quiet. Pay attention. Do what you're told. Um, and, you know, then I uh, get to the Zen Center and they say, be quiet. <laughs> Pay attention, do what you're told. Just sit there and face the wall. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Um, and then, of course, at some point I discovered, um, I realized, and it, you know, it was years had gone by, and, you know, it's a whole story to this, but I... I, I, I got a letter from my brother. He said, an email from my brother, and he had gone through old letters, and it turned out um, he found a letter from my dad to my uncle, um, or my aunt, and it said, uh, the baby was born one month early. That's me. <laughs> the baby was born one month early. A week later, Franny, my mom, came home from the hospital the baby didn't come home until two weeks after that, so she had a very good rest. So what was happening to baby Eddie was just completely unremarkable. Literally nothing to remark upon. So, um, you know, I did two-week uh, two meditation. where you just face the ceiling and nobody talks to you, you don't talk to anybody, nobody touches you, you don't touch anybody. So, and then, um, so depending on your orientation, you know, that's either, um, you know, those 20 years of Zen practice was just post-traumatic reenactment. So instead of facing the ceiling, you sit facing the wall. So, and post-traumatic reenactment is not particularly useful, people say. You know, I've studied these things. But um, on the other hand, you know, you can use the, follow the acorn theory of James Hillman, and you can say, I was getting ready for my future destiny, <laughs> starting early. <laughs> we don't know. We don't know whether the things that happen, you know, we're all shaped by something in our life. Uh, some of the things we're shaped by are, you know, on one hand very painful, but they're also pivotal, and we have to be shaped. And this, the character is, you know, our character is, and these, these lines are, and the, the character is sometimes, or the blessings in our life are also called the scars. So we've all been scarred. How are we going to work with our scars? And do our scars have, you know, are the scars something to hide? or something to reveal. You know, how are we going to do this? So, um, Wang Bo said, all of you gobs of dregs, you're looking for some teaching. You know, as Robert Bly likes to say, yeah, you know, look for some teaching um, where you walk beautifully. You don't trip or stumble or limp, drag a leg. You look great. And he says, of course, you look great. House walls get scars. 
<laughs> in one of his poems, he says, the house walls get scars, matter breaks down. You know, things in your life go haywire because you're looking good. And you're managing, and then around you, it's not working. Um, but anyway, uh, Wang Bo then said, you know, uh, there, don't you know there are no teachers of Zen in all of China? So again, who's going to help you be you? Who's going to tell you how to be you? How will you? So anyway, a, a student came forward, you know, a monk came up and said, but teacher, there's hundreds of monasteries. There's thousands of students. How can you say there are no teachers of Zen in all of China? And Wang Bo slipped out of it. He said, I didn't say there was no Zen. I said, there are no teachers of Zen. So you can learn a lot of things, but no one can take your place. You are you. you know, and you um, and your way will sometimes sometimes things will go well and sometimes you will hit you know a wall you will you will have some difficulty you will have a challenge things won't things won't go the way and you will be lost then what so I have a poem here um, I was in uh, Guelph Guelph is an hour or so from Toronto, Ontario. So occasionally I, I go and teach a meditation weekend at the yoga studio there. The yoga studio is called Living Yoga and Health. It's on the main street of downtown Guelph, and it's right between Vikani's bra-fitting specialists <laughs> on one side, and on the other side is the Wyndham Lane Shoe Fashions. And then there's a stairway right between these two stores. You go up the stairs to the third floor, and there's the living yoga. And at the end of yoga class, um, one day, I like to go to some yoga classes before my meditation retreats. Um, the teacher, Jael, um, she loves poetry, and she writes poetry, and she recited this poem. It's a poem by um, William Stafford. Uh, William Stafford, you know, is the one who um, made a practice of writing. Well, first of all, very interestingly, you know, he was very unusual in that he was a conscientious objector in the Second World War. Very few people did that because it was so obviously important to defeat the Nazis. Um, and then uh, he eventually became a poet. He started writing poems in the concentration camps. Not the concentration camps, the conscious objector camps. <laughs> and um, so, and then he was writing for a while a poem every day. And once he was interviewed, you know, and, and the woman said, I hear you write a poem every day. And he said, yes, I do. I, I get up early. I start on my poem. I'm thinking, you know, of having a practice like this. Get up early and start on my writing. And then, uh, you know, I have to get the kids up, get them breakfast, get them off to school. Sometimes during the day I have a few minutes. I keep it on a little shelf that's just for that poem. And then sometimes during the day I can work on it. If I haven't finished it, then I finish it in the evening before going to bed. And the woman said to him, well, Mr. Stafford, how do you do this? How can you be inspired to write a poem day in and day out, day after day? How do you do that? You can't be inspired like that every day. And he said, I lower my standards. <laughs> if any of you write, you know, this is how important this is. And uh, for me to come and talk to you, I have to lower my standards. You know, and be, uh, I, I can't be, you know, a lofty spiritual teacher <laughs> and dispense, you know, the teachings. So um, 
But anyway, here's the poem. Sometimes from sorrow, for no reason, you sing. Sometimes from sorrow, for no reason, you sing. For no reason, you accept the way of being lost, cutting loose from all else and electing a world where you go where you want to. Arbitrary sound comes, a reminder that a steady center is holding all else. If you listen, that sound will tell where it is, and you can slide your way past trouble. Arbitrary sound comes, a reminder that a steady center is holding all else. If you listen, that sound will tell where it is, and you can slide your way past trouble. Certain twisted monsters always bar the path. Isn't that great? Certain twisted monsters always <laughs> bar the path. But that's when you get going best. Glad to be lost. Learning how real it is here on earth again and again. But that's when you get going best. Glad to be lost. Glad to be lost. Learning how real it is here on earth again and again. So um, it, it's, it's taken me a long time, you know, it's only little by little, um, I think, that, you know, much changes in her life. And, you know, again, Suzuki Rishi not only said life is basically impossible, you do it every day, he also uh, one time said in the middle of a retreat, the problems you are now experiencing we all thought he was going to say, you know, they're just illusion. <laughs> when the problems you are now experiencing will continue, yeah, right, until we wake up, right, until we get enlightened, right? The problems you are now experiencing will continue for the rest of your life. <laughs> and we all laughed. Because <laughs> we were thinking, nope. Nope, 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 no, we are Zen students and we will attain a mastery so that these problems will just not be so relevant anymore, will they? And this is so interesting because, you know, it's tempting to think, I'm going to just disappear into these problems. And it is possible to disappear into your problems, right? You know, there's a difference between um, you know, sitting and having your problem, and then, or, you know, you have your problem, and then you uh, go and drink a lot, and, or, you know, take a lot of drugs, because you have a problem. <laughs> and then there's ways that are not very effective for having problems. <laughs> Meditation should be a good way to have problems. You know, have, you can sit and have your problem. And, and, you know, and, and have some presence of mind with your problem and not just disappear and get lost in it. You have a chance of some presence of mind. And it's like having an adult, you know, my, uh, my friend Marie, who's right down the street, you know, her husband Carl died a couple of years ago. Some of you may know Carl Marie. Carl was a metal sculptor, and Marie does bookbinding. They've been married for over 50 years. She misses him. And um, at one point I gave her Susan Piver's book, uh, The Wisdom of a Broken Heart. And, you know, Susan points out 
when you fall in love, you're taking a vow to have your heart broken. One way or another. She said, I'm so grateful. You know, Carl, you know, for years he was alcoholic. And she had to, you know, tell him finally, you know, you can't come home. You don't live here. Um, and, um, but he was always faithful to her. Fifty years. So I gave her Susan Piver's book about, you know, being in grief and, you know, the wisdom of a broken heart. And Marie read the book and she said, Ed, that's a great book. You know, there's some wonderful exercises in there. None of them work. And, um, you know, and we think, you know, there's some way to, is it, so is this, is this, uh, are you, are you, is there something wrong with you? Or is there something defective about you to have a broken heart? Should you just be able to get over it? But if you're, if you fall in love, you took the vow. Whether it's, you know, the relationship ends, the divorce, or somebody dies, you took a vow. It was your, your heart's desire to have your heart broken. And then, uh, you know, a little while later, um, you know, this is now about a year ago, Marie said, you know, I think sometimes you just have to take yourself on. When you're feeling small, overwhelmed, scared, you know, Ed, let's get you something to eat, okay? <laughs> let's, let's get you out for a walk now. Maybe, you know, maybe we'll, let's go out and, let's go out and, you know, prune the fruit trees, why don't we, okay? I know you don't feel like doing much of anything. You're kind of scared and small and helpless. Let's go, let's go prune some trees for a little while. It's not going to be too long, don't worry. Let's get you out. We'll get some fresh air. We'll get some... So you take yourself on. There's an adult there, too. <laughs> you know, who can? And this is also the... You know, you're learning how to be your own teacher. What is the teaching? Do you do that because somebody tells you? No, you come to it. You just come to it. You know, it comes to you. you don't, it's not something anybody can tell you. You read the book, people are telling you things, and you just say, a lot of good exercises, none of them work. But when it comes to you, what to do? You know, how to respond to your life circumstances. And if it doesn't work, you do, the next, you do something else. Not everything you try will work. But you, you we know we keep... You know, this is, um, you know, our heart, our way-seeking mind. Uh, you know, it's curious how many courses now are about curiosity. <laughs> That's pretty good. You know, be interested in things. So, uh, and Suzuki Roshi said, um, also, whatever happens, good or bad, um, study carefully. See what you can find out. Uh, and this is so interesting because, you know, I've, I've uh, you know, over and over I keep coming to conclude that, you know, I used to think if I do things well, other people will not be unhappy, other people will not suffer, they will not be disappointed in me, they will not be angry at me, they will not criticize me, they will not be judgmental, they will not be judging me, and, and I will, you know, and then so I'll be able to tell that I'm a good person when everybody around me, nobody around me, not just that I don't have problems, but nobody around me has problems. And they certainly don't put their problems on me as being the source of them. But it's, of course, one of people's favorite things. <laughs> Ed, you're so, you, you're just way too critical and judgmental. You know, this happened to me at a workshop two, three years ago, and 
I said, oh, really? And, and is there, tell me more about that. And she said, well, it's just not Zen, you know, it's just not Zen. <laughs> I keep studying, like, well, what do, you, what do you tell people, you know? How can you explain to somebody that I am not the cause of your suffering? Just not. It's not reality. You know. So I, you know, we keep we keep working on these things. But I used to think that when these things happen, it, it does indicate something. Now I'm just, you know, understanding better, you know. This is about boundaries too, by the way, you know. In therapeutic terms, it's boundaries. Who gets to say what about you? And is it actually about you? Where do I stop and somebody else begins? So I realized that even a good-hearted, <laughs> compassionate, kind, loving person, you know, things don't go all that well all the time. And people have their ups and downs and their joys and sorrows, and I'm not in charge of it. It's not my fault. I'm not to blame. You know, it's a child's idea. If you're unhappy, it must be my fault, and I'll see what I can do about it. So I think, you know, part of becoming an adult and, you know, becoming a, you know, developing your capacity to meditate and be with things in your life, in your awareness, you know, we grow up and we stop taking this inappropriate responsibility for, you know. So, you're, we're all good-hearted people. We're not causing, you know, the painful things. The painful things are, are happen, you know, no matter what. And uh, we can uh, take them into our life and into our heart and, um, and be able to, and you know, it's a study. It is not simple how to be with um, my own and other people's suffering and pain. Computer stores are one thing, you know. But um, our individual lives, it's not always so simple. Mostly it's not simple. Um, and, um, but I think, uh, you know, the more you can trust, this is to, to start with a kind of trust that you are inherently worthy, wise, and compassionate. We sometimes say, we sometimes call that, I take refuge in Buddha, right? This is the three, um, you know, the three refuges. I take refuge in Buddha. I am a worthy, wise, and compassionate person. You know, I take refuge in the Buddha in me. Buddha is not just somebody outside. You also are Buddha. You are an ordinary person and you are Buddha. An incredible person. And even incredible people have challenges, you know. Dalai Lama has challenges, right? He doesn't even have a country. Uh, so, and then, you know, we can take refuge in Dharma. Um, you know, whatever happens, study carefully, see what you can find out. Sometimes what we're finding out, you know, is, is how to have difficulty and then how to, how to help other people have the difficulty of life and not think that there's something wrong with them and they're, that they're defective. And, you know, I take refuge in Sangha. We have friends and companions on the path. Sometimes we need to uh, work a little bit to find them and to be able to honor them and make the time for them. All right, so thank you. Um, uh, I'd like to just sit with you quietly for a little bit so that you can sit in your own good heart. And then um, I'm going to hit the bell, and I'd l I like to chant at the end uh, of the evening the syllable ho, which is the Japanese word for dharma, and to share our hearts with one another and to send our prayers and blessings out to the world.
Um, if you have any friends or loved ones that you want to share your prayers and blessings with, bring them to mind when you're chanting. Otherwise, you know, the general concept in Buddhism is to share the merit and blessing of our practice with all beings. Uh, Suzuki Roshi um, said, you know, to practice Zen is to have a soft mind. Normally, um, you know, so much of the time we make our mind hard when we think we know where to go and we think we know how to get there and we become hard-minded in order to arrive at our destination and to get things out of our way. So now that I've talked tonight, you know, I can feel the tenderness in the room. This is your soft mind, your soft heart. Um, you know, not being in a hurry to get, get any place, to be where you are with, you know, the reality of our life. Wonderful, tender feeling, a tender heartedness. Thank you. So I'm going to hit the bell and if you'd like, join in the chanting ho, sharing our prayers and blessings with all beings. Blessings, have a good evening, safe travels, turn right. <laughs> Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.